This is episode 502 of the AWS podcast, released on January 30th, 2022. Podcast confirmed. Welcome to the official AWS podcast. Hello everyone and welcome back to the AWS Podcast. Simon Lesher here with you. Great to have you back flying solo today with lots and lots and lots of updates to share. So we'll get right into it, starting with the topic of analytics. Amazon Redshift has launched the single node RA3X Plus cluster. So basically you can now do a single node cluster. This is really useful if you want all the advanced Redshift features at a much lower cost, um, particularly useful if you're doing some, some dev, some test and some other stuff. Amazon Redshift has also announced support for the varbyte data type. This is a variable size data type for storing and representing variable length binary strings. So you can now have a variable length binary data for core Redshift features like SQL UDFs, SQL DDL uh, as well. And it gives you the ability to specify the size based on N, the size being N. And the default for N is 64K and the max is 1 meg. So that's pretty cool. Amazon Redshift has also announced a preview of the automated materialized view. So this is really useful when you're trying to lower your query latency for repeatable workloads. So things like dashboard queries, which minimizes the effort for manually creating and managing these materialized views. So check them out if you do a lot of sort of repeated work as well. We're also happy to announce the preview of SQL Notebooks support in Amazon Redshift Query Editor version 2. The new notebook interface enables users such as data analysts and data scientists to author queries more easily, organizing multiple SQL queries and annotations on a single document. You can also collaborate with your team members by sharing notebooks as well. So this is a pretty nifty new capability. Amazon Redshift Spectrum now offers custom data validation rules. This is really useful when you're querying your external tables uh, in the Amazon S3 data lake. And so it lets you control how Redshift Spectrum processes data containing unexpected values, such as unsupported UTF-8 characters or numeric overflow in your external tables, because isn't data hygiene wonderful? And we're also thrilled to announce AWS Data Exchange for Amazon Redshift. This is very cool. This is a new feature that lets you find and subscribe to third-party AWS Data Exchange capabilities, and you can query them straight out of Amazon Redshift in minutes. So this lets you have access to a full set of really interesting data sets to let you enrich your queries, and it provides you direct read-only access to the data stored in Amazon Redshift. The EMR team have been really, really busy, and they've introduced real-time collaborative notebooks in EMR Studio. So EMR Studio is an integrated development environment that makes it easy for data scientists and data engineers to develop, visualize, and debug big data and analytics applications. That can be in R, Python, Scala, and PySpark. And now you can actually collaborate in real-time across teams using EMR Studio. So this allows you to access the workspaces, which is a fully managed serverless Jupyter lab instance in the cloud with multiple users. So you can invite other users and collaborate using those notebooks in real time. So very cool. Amazon EMR now supports using multiple custom AMIs when you mix AWS Graviton 2 based instances with non-Graviton 2 instances in a single EMR cluster. So you can mix and match as need be. And Amazon EMR now supports Apache Iceberg, which is a highly performant concurrent ACID compliant table format for data lakes. So this is really interesting if you want to maintain some sort of transactional consistency in what you're doing, uh, have a whole lot of sort of schema evolution management, a whole bunch of other stuff that this particular new capability brings. Another new capability in EMR is the SQL Explorer in EMR Studio. 
And this is a feature in your EMR Studio workspace that lets you browse the data catalog and run SQL queries on EMR clusters from EMR Studio. And this release of SQL Explorer in EMR Studio supports running SQL queries on Amazon EMR on EC2 clusters running Presto version 0.245.1 or higher. And Amazon EMR now supports Apache Spark SQL to insert data and update glue catalog tables when lake formation integration is enabled. So you can do some additional capabilities in terms of inserting data and updating how you find that data. Let's talk search. The Amazon OpenSearch service, which is the successor to Amazon Elasticsearch service, now supports anomaly detection for historical data. So this is machine learning based anomaly detection for historical data to identify trends, patterns, and seasonality in the past data. And anomaly detection for historical data enables customers to derive valuable insights for past data and take appropriate actions to improve the overall efficiency of your application. A new announcement in AWS Glue, this is in preview, this is personally identifiable information detection and remediation. So this uses pattern matching and machine learning to automatically detect PII at both the column and cell levels during an AWS Glue job run. So this is really nifty if you need to pull stuff out that shouldn't be there. And speaking of AWS Glue, auto-scaling in AWS Glue jobs is now available in preview. So AWS Glue 3.0 can now dynamically scale resources up and down based on the workload from both batch and streaming jobs. So you don't have to worry about over-provisioning, under-provisioning, you just get what you need. This is available in US East Ohio at the moment, more to come. There are some great new data sets available in the Registry of Open Data from Meta, the Brazilian Space Agency, Redbound University Medical Center, and many others. There's uh, categories like climate and weather, geospatial, life sciences, and machine learning, some really cool things that you can just grab and use and can enrich your analysis. And finally, in this topic, the Amazon Managed Streaming Service for Apache Kafka, Amazon MSK, now supports version 2.6.3 for new and existing clusters. This includes bug fixes and security enhancements. Moving on to the topic of application integration, AWS AppSync now supports cache entry eviction for server-side data caching. So this can be used to improve the performance of latency-sensitive and high-throughput applications by allowing you to store and fetch data from a fast in-memory managed cache. Now, before today, customers could invalidate cache entries by flushing the entire cache, but you couldn't do specific entries. Now you have access to a new VTL extension in your AppSync resolver that allows you to invalidate specific entries. So this is really useful to be more granular about performance. And AWS AppSync now supports custom domain names for AppSync GraphQL endpoints. So now you can have simple and memorable endpoint URLs with domain names of your choosing by creating custom domain names that you associate with your AppSync APIs in your account. So this allows you to have a more pretty view. Amazon SNS, the simple notification service, now supports attribute-based access controls, or ABAC. So this is uh, applied to API actions, including publish and publish batch. And ABAC is an authorization strategy that defines access permissions based on tags, which can be attached to IAM resources like users and roles, and to AWS resources like Amazon SNS topics to simplify permission management. So this allows you to get more granular on that. And Amazon SQS, the simple queue service, enhanced dead letter queue management experience for standard queues. So this is a really useful capability. Dead letter queue is an existing feature. It allows you to store messages that couldn't be successfully consumed. You can now efficiently redrive messages from your dead letter queue to your source queue on the SQS console. So it means if you're doing that uh, 
uh, intrusive work where you're figuring out this message is kind of not quite right, I need to do a little bit of fixing and redrive it, you now can. Moving on to the topic of blockchain. Amazon QLDB now supports JSON output format for exports. So if you're exporting, you have the existing Amazon Iron output format, and now you have JSON as well. So very common way of uh, exporting data. It's now available out of the box. Amazon Managed Blockchain also now announces support for Hyperledger Fabric version 2.2. So this is the first long-term support release of the V2 releases and introduces decentralized governance for chain codes or smart contracts to better enable collaboration of real-world enterprises. So a bunch of other improved capabilities and the long-term support is, of course, a good thing. Onto the topic of business applications, Amazon Chime SDK now supports stereo audio. So you can now have real-time audio, video, and screen share in your web or mobile application. And the Amazon Chime SDK meetings now support stereo audio with 48K Hertz sampling and 128K BPS encoding. The Amazon Chime SDK media capture pipelines now support Amazon S3 server-side encryption with the AWS Key Management Service. So you can now encrypt all your data as you're capturing the contents of your meetings as well. And this makes it trivial for you to stay secure and protected. On to the topic of compute. We're happy to announce the AWS serverless application model, SAM CLI support for local testing of AWS Cloud Development Kit, or CDK. There's a lot of acronyms there, but we made it happen. Um, before today, you could use AWS SAM CLI to build, test, and package serverless applications defined using CloudFormation or SAM templates. With this release, you can use AWS SAM CLI to run local testing on Lambda functions and REST APIs on AWS Gateway defined using the AWS CDK. AWS Lambda now supports IPv6 endpoints for inbound connections. This is really important if you have to meet IPv6 requirements, and it also removes the need for any expensive networking equipment to handle any address translation between v4 and v6. So now you configure your applications to use AWS Lambda's new dual stack endpoints, which support both v4 and v6, obviously. And the endpoints have the format of lambda.region.api.aws. So basically, if you access that uh, particular regional endpoint, so for example, lambda.us-east-1.api.aws, you get access to that dual stack endpoint. AWS Lambda now logs hyperplane elastic network interface ID in your AWS Cloud Trail events. Now, any functions running in a VPC, uh, customers can use the ENI ID in CloudTrail to audit the security of your applications and verify that only authorized functions are accessing your VPC resources through a shared hyperplane ENI. This is really useful for customers in the financial services and healthcare sector who have stringent audit and regulatory compliance requirements. AWS Lambda now supports a max batching window for Amazon MSK, Apache Kafka, Amazon MQ for Apache ActiveMQ and RabbitMQ as event sources. So Lambda reads records from an event source stream at a fixed cadence and invokes a function with a batch of records. The max batching window allows you to wait as long as 300 seconds to build a batch before invoking a function. Now a function is invoked when one of the following conditions is met. The payload size reaches six meg, the max batching window reaches its maximum value, or the batch size reaches its maximum value. So what this means is you can increase the average number of records passed to the function with each invocation, which maximizes the work done per invocation. AWS Lambda now supports ES modules and top-level await for Node.js 14. 
So this is useful if you are using this particular language family. You can now take advantage of the top-level await, uh, a Node.js 14 language feature. And when used with provision concurrency, this improves cold start performance for functions with asynchronous initialization tasks. Great blog post that goes into great detail about this. Amazon Elastic Kubernetes Service now supports IPv6, so big day for v6 support. So again, if you need to scale beyond the limits of the IPv4 address space, now you can. The EBS CSI driver is now available in EKS add-ons in preview. So this allows you to use the Amazon EKS console CLI API to install and manage the add-on. And this is in addition to the existing support for the Amazon VPC CNI networking plugin. The AWS Launch Wizard now provides guided deployments of Amazon EKS. So this means you can get your Kubernetes management infrastructure and supporting stuff up and running simple and easily. Basically, uh, it lets you go through the sizing, the configuration, the deployment of the control plane, connecting the worker nodes to the cluster, configuring a bastion host for admin operators. Optionally, you also have custom resources that you deploy and manage your Kubernetes applications using CloudFormation by declaring Kubernetes manifests or Helm charts directly in CloudFormation templates. And the AWS Certificate Manager Private Certificate Authority is happy to announce the release of version 1.0 of the Private CA Kubernetes Cert Manager plugin, which is an open source plugin for Cert Manager that offers a secure certificate authority solution for Kubernetes containers. So if you need to integrate with that, now you can. The Amazon Elastic Container Registry, ECR, has launched the ability to monitor repository pull statistics through Amazon CloudWatch. So now you can monitor usage patterns and you can also identify anomalous behavior by observing image pull requests per repository. Nice Engine Frame has added AWS HPC cluster management with AWS Parallel Cluster. So this is an easy to use web front end that makes HP job submission and management easier for customers. And you can use the Nice Engine Frame across both on-premises and the AWS environment using its AWS HPC connector feature. So this makes it really easy to coordinate and command all those different resources you have access to. And we're happy to announce the Amazon EC2 M1 Mac instances for Mac OS in preview. These are built on Apple Silicon Mac mini computers and powered by AWS and Nitro. And the EC2 M1 Mac instances deliver up to 60% better price performance over x86-based EC2 Mac instances for iOS and Mac OS application build workloads. These also enable native ARM64 Mac OS environments for the first time in AWS to develop, build, test, and deploy and run those Apple applications. EC2 Image Builder has added console support for custom image creation from on-premises images. So this capability makes it easier for customers to incorporate on-premises images stored in S3. So they could be OVA, VHD, VHDX, VMDK, and RAW format into your EC2 image pipelines. And those customers can now leverage those existing EC2 builder capabilities such as process automation, build security, and image distribution to build images via the console. Amazon EC2 customers can now use ED25519 keys for authentication with EC2 Instance Connect. So this is useful to prove your identity when connecting to EC2 instances using EC2 Instance Connect and EC2 Serial Console from the command line interface. Now, this is a really powerful capability because it basically is giving you a simple way to connect and troubleshoot when stuff's going really, really weird. But in addition to the existing RSA-based keys, you can now use the ED25519 key pairs to connect to those capabilities in an even more secure fashion. 
Quick update for AWS Outposts, it is now FedRAMP authorized. So this is really useful for those customers who want to use it in a US government context. It is FedRAMP moderate in US East, North Virginia, Ohio, US West, North California, and Oregon, and FedRAMP high authorized for GovCloud US West and US East. If you run Microsoft Windows Server on EC2, you'll be happy to know you can run them up to 65% faster. In fact, you can now flag any Amazon machine image running Microsoft Windows Server to launch faster. And once flagged, every instance launched from the AMI will automatically launch faster. Now, Windows uh, Server OS launch times can be a source of costly delays while provisioning your resources for mission-critical workloads or recovering. By launching instances faster, it means you get up and running quicker. So you can flag a Microsoft Windows AMI for faster launching either in the AMI management section of the console or via the API or CLI. There is no service charge for doing it. Basically, all you pay for is the underlying AWS resources used to prepare the instances for launching faster from AMIs. The AWS Compute Optimizer now makes it easier to optimize by leveraging multiple EC2 instance architectures. So you can specify both x86 and ARM as a preferred EC2 instance architecture. And this means you'll get a far better mix of optimization choices to make. And basically you'll find out which is the best place for you to run your particular workload. We're pleased to announce a new EC2 instance type. This is the HPC 6A instances. These are optimized to efficiently run compute-intensive, high-performance computing workloads like computational fluid dynamics, reservoir modeling, weather simulations, and finite element analysis. These offer up to 65% better price performance over comparable Amazon EC2 x86-based compute-optimized instances. These are powered by 96 cores of third-generation AMD EPIC processors with an all-core turbo frequency of 3.6 gigahertz and 384 gig of RAM. Of course, built on the AWS Nitro system that gives you the isolation and security you're looking for, and it offers 100 gigabits per second of elastic fabric adapter networking enabled by default for high-throughput internode communication. A quick update for the Amazon EC2 instance metadata service. You can now access your instance's tags from that service, which is very cool. You know, I'm a big fan of tags. Well, now you can uh, get the tag information directly from the metadata service instead of having to call the separate describe instance or describe tag APIs. It's a nice little quality of life improvement. And finally, on the topic of EC2, on-demand capacity reservations now support cluster placement groups. So you can now launch EC2 instances into logical groups with a segment of network with a high bisection bandwidth, thus getting low latency and high throughput between the instances inside the clusters. This is really useful for those workloads that need tightly coupled node-to-node communication, where every bit of latency is important. Moving on to the topic of cost management, AWS cost management now supports hourly granularity in savings plan utilization and coverage report. So remembering that savings plan is a flexible pricing model that gives you savings of up to 72% on your Amazon EC2, Lambda and ECS and Fargate type usage. Basically, now you get hourly granularity in your savings plan utilization and coverage reports so you can determine when your best level of commitment is represented based upon the hour and get better insights. Moving on to the topic of customer engagement, Amazon Connect Chat user interface now supports browser notifications for your customers. So this is really useful to let the customer know that the agent has responded to their message. I know I use this all the time when I'm talking to people online. It's good to get the bing to tell them that the background window you put aside has been accessed. 
Nice DCV has released version 2021.3, which has multiple new features such as DCV connection gateway and a refreshed DCV web client user interface. Now, this is a high-performance remote display protocol that lets customers securely access remote desktop or application sessions, including 3D graphics applications hosted on servers with high-performance GPUs. Amazon Connect customer profiles now support pre-configured connectors from Segment and Shopify. So these allow you to ingest customer information such as name, email address, and phone number into Amazon Connect, which creates a better customer experience. And Amazon Connect has also launched AWS CloudFormation support for contact flow and contact flow module resources. So a great way to recreate things over and over again if you're doing things in a common fashion. Couple of updates for Amazon Pinpoint. It now includes a one-time password management feature. So this is an automatically generated string of characters that authenticates a user for a single logon attempt or transaction. So it's nice to have that as part of your workflow. And also has launched Journey Endpoint Reevaluation Logic for the contact center activity. Now, Journeys are multi-step campaigns that can be used across several channels, things like SMS, email, push, and voice. And Journeys are intended for customers who have user engagement use cases who want to send targeted communications that drive high-value user actions. Now, this feature compares the status of a Journey participant against preceding evaluation steps in the Journey immediately before their phone number is dialed. So this makes sure that you're getting the absolute most up-to-date point of the Journey before the contact is made. Moving on to the topic of database, DynamoDB can now return the throughput capacity consumed by particle API calls to help you optimize your queries and throughput costs. Think of it as the modern version of a describe query or a plan analysis for your particular query. You can now find out what it costs and make it better. Some quick updates for Amazon RDS for Oracle. It now supports the Oracle Connection Manager or CMAN, and it also supports the October 2021 release update for Oracle Database 12.2 and 19C. AWS Trusted Advisor has added three optimization checks for Microsoft SQL Server on Amazon EC2. So you will now be able to get notification of Amazon EC2 instances with Microsoft SQL Server end of support, Amazon EC2 instances that are over-provisioned for Microsoft SQL Server, and Amazon EC2 instance consolidation for Microsoft SQL Server. So wanting you to run securely and cost-effectively. AWS Migration Hub strategy recommendations now have support for Babelfish for Aurora PostgreSQL. So this is really useful for customers looking to migrate and replatform their Microsoft SQL applications to PostgreSQL with little to no code changes. So this will detect them and recommend them so you can understand where you have an opportunity to make a change. Amazon RDS for MySQL now supports new minor versions 5.736 and 8.0.27, so you can keep up to date and have those performance improvements as well. And Amazon RDS for MariaDB also supports new minor versions 10.5.13, 10.4.22, 10.3.32, 10.2.41. Again, updates and fixes. And Amazon RDS for SQL Server now has support for minor versions for SQL Server 2019 and 2017, Always keep yourself up to date. And another update for SQL Server, it now supports SSAS multi-dimensional mode. So this is SQL Server analysis services in multi-dimensional mode. There's no additional cost to install it directly onto your RDS for SQL Server DB instance. Amazon RDS Performance Insights now supports new API endpoints. 
And there are three new API endpoints, get resource metadata, list available resource dimensions, and list available resource metrics. And these give you programmatic access to metadata about the metrics collected by performance insights. So this lets you do even tighter integrations into your monitoring tool or platform of choice. And finally on this topic, Amazon Elastic Cache adds support for streaming and storing Redis engine logs. The Redis engine log provides visibility into the internal operations of the Redis engine, and it gives you insight into operations and helps troubleshoot. You can now choose to send these logs in either JSON or text format to Amazon CloudWatch logs and Amazon Kinesis Data Firehose. Moving on to the topic of developer tools, Amazon Coretto has introduced January quarterly updates. So these are critical updates and security updates for the long-term supported versions of 11.0.14 and 8.322. These are available and ready to go. These are no-cost, multi-platform production-ready distributions of OpenJDK. The porting assistant for .NET now supports .NET 6 as a target framework and porting of certain ASP.NET web forms applications straight to the ASP.NET Core Blazor framework. So this will allow you to translate source to destination in a very cool way. If you're doing any kinds of migrations, the porting assistant for .NET is really useful. It's an open source analysis tool that reduces the manual effort and guesswork involved in porting. NiceDCV has released the web client SDK 1.0.4 with multiple connection support. So again, this is really useful when you're building applications with multiple side-by-side -side streaming views that show different DCV sessions in a single web page. Moving on to the topic of end user computing, Amazon AppStream 2.0 now provides application entitlements for SAML 2.0 federated user identities. Previously, each stack required a separate service provider application configured in your SAML 2.0 identity provider. These features will now allow you to streamline access control to your AppStream stacks and reduce the number of fleets and images needed to be maintained due to application access restrictions. Onto the topic of front end and mobile. You may have noticed if you use the console that there is a new console home in the AWS Management Console. It is a customizable homepage that lets you have a single place to put all the information you need. You now have the ability to customize your console home experience by adding, removing, and rearranging widgets. In some of the widgets, you could also choose between regular view for a quick summary or an extended view for a more comprehensive overview. At launch, there are eight widgets. Welcome to AWS, recently visited, AWS Health, Cost and Usage, Build a Solution, Trusted Advisor, Explore AWS, and Favorites, and more are going to be coming as well. And there's also dark mode as well. So lots of interesting stuff. And the new console home experience will persist on the user account level across browsers and devices. The Amazon location service has been super busy for customers and has introduced a whole lot of new things, including request-based pricing for all customer use cases. So for instance, if you're building a delivery application that needs to find the positions associated with a delivery address, you now pay per address searched. With Amazon Location, there's no upfront fees, no required minimum commitment, no long-term contract. You can just get up and running and away you go. There is now also the added matrix routing, making it easy for customers to quickly calculate drive time and driving distances between multiple origins and destinations. With matrix routing, developers can use a single API request to reduce latency associated with multiple routing calculations, which makes your code easier and makes a better customer experience. So this is really useful if you're doing delivery routes and logistic type stuff. Amazon Location Service has also added metadata to help you reduce cost, improve accuracy, and simplify your development. So it was already easy to get up and running. 
Uh, with this new me metadata feature, though, developers can enrich these applications with additional information about each device's position. So, for example, the speed, direction, or engine temperature of vehicles by including three user-defined key value pairs with each position update. And you can then retrieve this information for a device's current or historical position directly from Amazon Location Service Tracker. So you can do things like analyzing engine performance without building additional systems to do this particular data. This is very, very cool. And finally, Amazon Location has added a suggestion capability. With the new suggestions feature, which is also known as autocomplete, auto-suggest or fuzzy search, you can build search boxes for addresses or place names that suggest the complete search text as the end user types the text string into the box. Moving on to the topic of the Internet of Things, AWS IT Core for LoRaWAN has launched two new features to manage and monitor communications between device and cloud. The first new feature is the downlink queue management, which maintains a queue of downlink messages that are not reachable immediately. So these are things that are offline. And they're also announcing the network analyzer, which reduces the time it takes to set up a connection and start receiving trace messages, which gives you real-time information for your resources. This is really useful for debugging and monitoring. AWS IT Core now supports caching of responses returned by customers' custom authorized lambdas when using HTTP connections. So this can reduce the number of custom authorizer lambda invocations. AWS IT SiteWise Edge supports new data storage and upload prioritization strategies for intermittent cloud connectivity. So this is really useful when devices are disconnected up to 30 days, and it also lets you choose the appropriate upload strategy to the cloud on reconnection as well. And AWS IT device management has launched automated retry capability for jobs to improve success rates of large-scale deployments. So now you can specify the maximum number of retries if something goes wrong along the way and the criteria to trigger that retry behavior. Moving on to the topic of machine learning, AWS has announced phone number enrichments for Amazon fraud detector models. So this is a fully managed service that makes it easy to identify potentially fraudulent online activities. And now this introduces the use of phone number enrichments to improve the rate of detection. Amazon Translate, which is a neural machine translation service, has now given you the ability to mask commonly understood profane terms and prevent them from appearing in your translations. So by default, it chooses clean words for your translation outputs. Uh, in cases where profane words appear in the translated outputs, you can now choose to mask the profane words and phrases with a Grawlix string. So that's like a, a five-character sequence of question mark dollar sign, hashtag, at sign and dollar sign to show you that stuff was said that you might not want to read. Bunch of very cool updates for Amazon Lex. In preview, there is the Amazon Lex automated chatbot designer. This should get you up and running in creating a chatbot from conversation transcripts in hours rather than weeks. So basically, it's an automated designer using ML to analyze conversation transcripts and semantically cluster them around the most common intents and related information and helps you get up and running fast. Amazon Lexus also launched support for Portuguese, Brazilian Portuguese, Mandarin Chinese, and Catalan as well. It also has support for cloud formation, and it now has support for AWS Private Link as well. So lots of updates for Lex there. Amazon Comprehend Medical has added support for SnowMed CT and has also reduced pricing across all APIs by up to 90%. So this means you get access to the same great capability at a far lower cost. 
Amazon Polly, which is our really cool text into lifelike speech service, has now announced the general availability of a neural version of Takumi, which is Polly's Japanese male text-to-speech voice. Some updates for Amazon Kendra. This is an intelligent search service powered by machine learning. There is now a new experience builder that lets you get up and running with a few clicks without any coding or ML experience. The new search analytics dashboard that lets you better understand what's going on from a search perspective. And the custom document enrichment that lets you create a custom ingestion pipeline to pre-process documents before they get indexed into Kendra so you can add any additional stuff you need to. It now also has launch support for query language. Now, this allows customers to use more advanced search terminology and techniques when needed to retrieve more precise answers. So you can use familiar operators like all, and, and not. Um, you can also specify field level matches, range level matches, a uh, whole bunch of cool stuff to have an even more powerful access capability. Some great updates for Amazon SageMaker. Amazon SageMaker Inference Recommender is now available and it lets you choose the best available compute instance to configure to and deploy your machine learning models for optimum inference performance and cost. You don't have to guess it, it just tells you which one it should be. The Amazon SageMaker Model Registry now supports endpoint visibility, custom metadata and model metrics. So now it allows you to get far more insight into what's going on with all of those different models that you have so you can organize them appropriately. Amazon SageMaker now supports cross-account lineage tracking and multi-hop lineage querying. So this lets you track and query the lineage of artifacts such as data, features, and models across an ML workflow. And you can get that end-to-end lineage graph spanning the entire workflow from data preparation to model deployment through a single query. This is really useful when you're trying to explain how you came up with a particular model. Amazon SageMaker pipelines now support concurrency control. So now you're able to control the number of pipeline steps that can execute in parallel, and you can set a granular concurrency limit for an individual step or the entire pipeline. If the concurrency limit is reached, SageMaker pipelines will hold off steps and schedule them when executing steps are successfully completed. So this feature allows you to avoid failure due to resource starvation, which can be encountered when multiple steps require the same resources and are scheduled at the same time. Amazon SageMaker Training now supports MLG5 instances. These are powered by NVIDIA A10G Tensor Core GPUs. So these give you great performance for training jobs. Amazon TextRect has announced specialized support for automated processing of identity documents. So things like US driver's license, US passports, you can extract implied fields like name and address, as well as explicit fields like date of birth, date of issue, date of expiry, et cetera, et cetera. Until today, current OCR-based solutions were limited and didn't offer the ability to extract all the required field accurately because of rich background images or the ability to recognize names and addresses, as well as the fields associated with them. Now you can get a lot more information without doing any more work. Amazon SageMaker Feature Store Connector for Apache Spark is now available for easy batch data ingestion. So this is a good way to ingest data into the Feature Store. And Amazon SageMaker Jumpstart has added Light GBM and CatBoost model for tabular data. Again, this helps you easily solve your machine learning problems with one-click access to over 300 popular model collections so that you know what to use uh, without having to be an expert. Amazon Lookout for Vision now supports a visual inspection of product defects at the edge. So you can use your trained Amazon Lookout for Vision models on the edge by deploying these models to a hardware device of your choice. They can be deployed on any NVIDIA Jetson Edge appliance or x86 compute flat 
from running Linux or with an NVIDIA GPU accelerator. You could use AWS IT Greengrass to deploy and manage your edge-compatible customized model on your fleet of devices, and away you go. Amazon Recognition Content Moderation is a deep learning-based feature that can detect inappropriate, unwanted, or offensive images and videos. And this makes it easy to find and remove such content at scale. It provides a detailed taxonomy across 35 subcategories and 10 distinct top-level moderation categories. And we released an update with improved, an improved model, I should say, for image moderation that reduces false positive rates across all of those categories, particularly explicit nudity without reduction in detection rates for truly unsafe content. Lower false positive rates imply lower volumes of flagged images, which makes life better for human moderators. Amazon Forecast now supports AWS CloudFormation for managing your data set and data set group resources. So you can use that to produce the data that is used by Amazon Forecast. Onto the topic of management and governance, there's a new pillar, the sustainability pillar in the well-architected framework. Now, this is really useful for organizations that are setting sustainability targets or just want to understand how to deliver their application in a sustainable fashion from an ecological standpoint. The AWS Well Architected tool has added four new trusted advisor checks as well. So the Well Architected High Risk Issues for Cost Optimization, Performance Efficiency, Security and Reliability are all now there. An AWS Trusted Advisor now integrates with the AWS Security Hubs. So you now get 111 checks from the Security Hub that you can monitor and react to as necessary. We're pleased to announce the general availability of AWS CloudTrail Lake, which is a managed audit and security lake that allows you to aggregate, immutably store, and create your activity logs for auditing, security investigation, and operational troubleshooting. So this makes it easy to get up and running and not have to create a whole bunch of extra pipelines, etc. You can just turn it on in the CloudTrail console. Amazon Detective now simplifies account management with support for AWS organizations. So now new and existing Detective customers can onboard and centrally manage the Detective Graph database for up to 1,200 AWS accounts. AWS Systems Manager now supports application level cost reporting. So now you can understand what each application is costing. And AWS Systems Manager also announces new features for Session Manager to support maximum session timeout and annotate reason for staying the session as well. So you can indicate how long you're allowed to run before you uh, turn yourself off again if you haven't done anything. And also you can give an indication of why you started the session, which is of course important for audits. AWS Systems Manager Fleet Manager now offers console-based viewing and management of instance processes. So now you have a consolidated view of the processes running on an instance coupled with the ability to assess the resource consumption in real time and optimize operations through start and stop actions. And you can now remediate operational issues faster by executing AWS Systems Manager automation runbooks from Slack. So basically you can use the AWS chatbot to automate all the processes from Slack, which is often where a lot of DevOps folks spend a lot of their day. And AWS Systems Manager Automation now also enables you to take action in third-party applications through webhooks. So outbound webhooks give you a simplified way to integrate with many of the tools used, like Slack. Uh, now you can invoke an outbound webhook as a step in your automation runbook to easily integrate with existing collaboration, monitoring, and incident response tools in your organization. And AWS Systems Manager also announces support for categorizing documents of type command document. Command documents are used by Run Command, and Run Command is a capability to remotely and securely manage the configuration of your managed nodes. So this is an easier way to organize all that information.
And speaking of easy, there are now 37 new resource types in the Cloud Formation Registry. There's a complete list in the show notes. I'm not going to read them all, but basically this allows you to get up and running very, very quickly and use a whole lot of things that are pre-built and you can get going very, very quickly. AWS Managed Microsoft AD now helps optimize scaling decisions with directory metrics in Amazon CloudWatch. So now you can see things like CPU, memory, disk, network, etc., and you can determine how big or small you need to size your environment. And finally, Amazon CloudWatch Logs has announced AWS organization support for cross-account subscriptions. Onto the topic of media services, Amazon Nimble Studio now has new features to support Linux usage-based licensing and the Los Angeles local zone as well. So lots of capabilities there if you're creating content. And the Amazon Interactive Video Service has added thumbnail configuration. So you can now configure how often thumbnails are generated for your live stream. Now you can do up to 12 images every 60 seconds, which is one every five seconds. We can turn it off altogether. And also we now have support for Fujitsu quality of service protocol is now available in the AWS Elemental Media Connect. Onto the topic of migration and transfer, AWS Database Migration Service now supports time travel, which is an improved logging mechanism. This gives you flexibility in your logging capabilities and your troubleshooting experience. You can store and encrypt AWS DMS logs using Amazon S3 and view, download, and obfuscate the logs within a certain time frame. Really useful for troubleshooting. And AWS Database Migration Service also now has a new console experience, the AWS DMS Studio, to make it easier to inventory, analyze, and action. And AWS DataSync now lets you copy data to and from Amazon FSx for Lustre. So if you're moving data at scale, that would be the way to do it. Some updates for network and content delivery, some new Direct Connect locations. There's a new one in Sydney, Australia. You can now establish network connections from your premises to AWS in the next DC S2 data center and get high performance access to all AWS public regions except for regions in China. And this is the third Direct Connect location in the Sydney metropolitan area. In Australia, Direct Connect is present in Canberra, Sydney, Melbourne, and Perth. This new location gives you dedicated 1 gig, 10 gig, and 100 gig connections. There are also two new locations for Direct Connect in Indonesia, both in Jakarta. And an update for Route 53, there is uh, a new update API actions, delete domain and list prices is now available so that you can now get access to more information about Route 53. Quick update for AWS Client VPN, it now supports banner text and maximum session duration so you can interact with your end users in a more nice way. We've gone to the topic of satellite. AWS Ground Station has launched a new antenna location in Punta Arenas, which is in preview in South America and Sao Paulo. So this is the 10th AWS Ground Station connected to the AWS Global Network. Moving on to the topic of security, identity, and compliance. Amazon GuardDuty now detects EC2 instance credentials used from another account. So this is really useful for any threat capabilities that you need to find if someone's doing something a little untoward. AWS Firewall Manager now supports AWS Shield Advanced Automatic Application Layer DDoS mitigation. So this is automatic L7 DDoS protections that block application layer DDoS events with no manual intervention needed. And you can now turn it on automatically and it will just happen for you. AWS Secrets Manager now automatically enables SSL connections when rotating database secrets. So you can enforce SSL to always be enabled 
for databases when they're rotating the connections. This is a good thing. And AWS or WAF adds support for CloudWatch log and logging directly to S3 buckets. So these are two optional destinations in addition to the Kinesis Data Firehose, which is already supported. So you can choose where to send your data. And the last topic today is the topic of storage. Amazon S3 File Gateway now supports NFS file share auditing. Amazon S3 File Gateway enables administrators to force the closing of locked files, which is always useful when things are in a weird state. It now also, uh, the AWS Storage Gateway, I should say, Management Console now simplifies gateway creation and management. So really gets you up and running much more easily than ever before. And finally, the AWS Storage Gateway now supports Dell EMC Networker 19.5 and Veeam Backup and Replication 11A on tape gateway. So you can eliminate tape in your environment. My goodness me, there was a lot of updates there. So I hope there was something for you. hope there was something interesting for you. As ever, there are extended show notes. We do love to get your feedback. Podcast at amazon.com is the place to do it. And until next time, keep on building.